everyone, and welcome to our very first episode of Missio Unitatis. My name is Rebecca. Hi, I'm Elaine. And today in the first episode, we are interviewing our friend, Crystal Marie Martin. Elaine, did you want to share how we came to know Crystal? I first met Crystal's sister, Natalie Marie Pierre, at a seminar. I came to realize that she is actually a convert from being a Protestant and evangelical Christian. And it struck me because it's rare to meet people like this. And she also shared with me that she has um, three other sisters who also converted to the Catholic faith. And that is even rarer. I wanted to meet with her sisters and we arranged to meet up at a cafe and she invited her second sister who is Crystal. I invited Rebecca and we had a meal there. That's how we met Crystal. Yeah. Yeah, I guess what was striking for me when I met her was her knowledge about the Catholic faith is extremely in-depth and very oriented to finding and achieving her vocation. Also with the perspective of eternal life and I remember when she said um, how our lives we only spend like 40 years uh, living out our vocation and the rest of our time is in eternity and so that really helps me put into perspective like what are we doing today to help the salvation of our souls and of other people's souls yeah so uh, Elin what struck you when you were talking with Crystal when you first met her I would say her firmness in faith, her enthusiasm and gusto in relating to us her experiences about her conversion and her insights into Catholicism and life with Christ. Uh, And also I guess the interesting bit is also how her parents are still Protestants, so they live separately. Uh, Now we are in Crystal's house where she's living with her other sisters. Very interesting and and very nice to see a lot of uh, Catholic statues and imagery and a very nice altar and also relics of saints, which is very incredible. They have first-class relic of St. Therese and second-class relic of Padre Pio. Hmm. It's incredible. Oh yeah, and do you know that Crystal's confirmation name, Martin, she actually named herself after Saint Martina of Tours, and I don't know if it's a coincidence or the typology kind of thing, where Mary, the new Eve, turned around what Eve in the Old Testament did, because this is actually the same saint that Martin Luther, the reformer, was named after. You can see how, like, Martin Luther, 180 degrees, turned away from the Catholic Church. Mm. But Crystal Marie Martin turned 180 degrees towards the Church, towards the Catholic faith, coming home to it. Mm, that is so amazing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, I just got reminded about how she wrote the book while she was a very strong protestant. We weren't allowed to read every word in the page as advised by Crystal. But this is just to see how strong she was also in her 
Protestant faith at that time. And when you hear the interview with her, yeah, maybe you might be surprised at how Catholic she is. So it's also a 180 degree turn into the, the faith, into the Catholic faith. So we hope you enjoy the interview. So Crystal, how was your journey like as a Protestant? And were there any like Catholic moments in your Protestant walk? Yeah, so when I was a Protestant, right, I actually doubted whether um, my faith was the correct faith. Because I thought, like, sometimes I would, when we would, have fa- we would have family gatherings, right, so I, we sit down at the table and we eat, right, I would think to myself, okay, we're all Protestants, right? So if, if, if one of us got the faith wrong, it means all of us are going to hell. I was like, thinking, yeah. I keep thinking, are we in the correct faith? Because sometimes, you know, like the Protestants, they, say, they just say that one safe, always safe, or that, you know, you, you have said the salvation prayer, like there's nothing that, or you've been baptized, there's, you can never, you know, lose that. So it's almost like a free pass kind of thing. And, and it was almost too good to be true. And yeah, so I grew up with a lot of uh, questions and doubts, like, what every once in a while when something big happens in my life then like eh, are you in a true faith or not if I die tomorrow then if, if I got this wrong that means I may not make it yeah and I think when I was growing up there were Catholic moments in my life so when when I was young maybe I start with when I was young right I would I would ask myself if Jesus is so so generous why can't and he he was the only son that could create his own mother and choose his own mother. And he had the best mom, no doubt, hands down. Right? Then how come he could keep the best mom for himself and give us whatever was, you know, the remainder? And I'm like, we couldn't even choose our own mom, you know? So I felt like, in a way, Jesus was not generous and, not, and selfish uh, because he had the best mom and I, di- I don't. And in a way, when I heard, yeah, when I heard that, our, that our lady, that he gave us his mother to be ours, right? Like fifty percent of me really wanted to be Catholic, but I only, I was only told that our lady was, was our mother when I was like twenty six or twenty seven. Yeah, so that was a bit late. And I was wondering, why don't Catholics tell me earlier? Why didn't Catholics tell me earlier? But it's such a beautiful truth. I think I could, I can appreciate it so much better now as I'm older. Then there was a moment when I was uh, another Catholic moment. I would say when it happened when I was around six, sixteen after my O levels, right? So my a bit of my childhood was like my mom would always take us to uh, on holidays or or you know take us and have to have fun to f- to to be happy every time we finish a huge examination a huge test we pass a huge test so there was something that um, we were always looking forward to as kids you know finally being happy and not having to go for any more examinations at least for that whole year major exams right and so there was this always this reasonable expectation that after exams we would have we would attain happiness at least to me, subjective, at least to me. So when I was 16, right, after my O-levels, my mom actually, we all had agreed to go to Wild Wild Wet. And so I actually was looking forward to it. But when that day came, 
and I was walking, you know, we all had like our swimming costumes and like we were going to have fun and then I was walking towards the gate, right, of entrance of Baba Wet, right, there was this voice, right, that just said, like, they just convicted me and said, you are not going to find that happiness you are looking for at Baba Wet, you know, when you're going there. Then, I was I just stood there and I, I was like, <gasps> you know, it was like a moment of truth that I was not going to find what I was looking for. And the reason why I say it's a Catholic moment is because it, it taught me about that as as Christians, we're not supposed to find our true happiness in temporal experiences and in temporal uh, highlights and events, you know. Our true happiness, we're actually pilgrims and the life of man on earth is warfare. So that if you place your hopes and your happiness in either a temporal experience or a temporal place or a happy place, you know, that is on earth and it's not in heaven, you are bound to be disappointed. So when that truth hit me, right, I literally stood in my place where I was and I couldn't even move forward. Like they, So my two sisters were in front of me, my mom was in front, and then they turned behind and looked at me and then they said like, why are you not coming? I was like, I can't, I can't go. I was like, I just can't. And I couldn't explain to them what this moment was because I was still trying to wrap my head around this voice that I've listened to, you know, this, mo- this, this voice of truth, you know, that told me that, I, that if I go, I'll get disappointed, that I should just go deeper. I mean, the voice was more like, go deeper. Don't look forward to temporal happiness you know it's almost like you know that you've been through this before in previous experiences you know like when your mom has taken you for a holiday the the loneliest part of the trip is on the way back when you come back from a holiday right that you're looking forward to and then you it's almost like 10 days let's say you go 10 days to a europe right the worst part of the trip is actually on the on the plane back because you're hoping it wouldn't end and so if you're actually setting yourself up if you put your happiness and and, and your expectation of happiness, right, in uh, temporal holidays, vacations, um, places, anything to do with anything earthly, lah, anything that's not heavenly, you are bound to be disappointed. Yeah, so that was one moment when I was 16. Then in the year after that, a schoolmate that was in the same CCA as me committed suicide. And that was like my first brush with death. So I started thinking deeper right about important things in life it was almost suddenly getting scoring good grades was totally was really not important and going to shopping malls was i had totally lost interest because my friend died and then my parents my mom thought that there was a protestant thinking it's like oh no there's a spirit of death lingering around you we must like cast it out and i know it's, it sounds really funny right but it's like She's like, one day she came in like, Crystal, you must, you must snap out of it, you know, get up, you must, I don't know, the evangelical kind of happiness, you must go get that back, you know, you cannot look so sad. But you know, in Catholic theology, we're always taught to prepare for death, like, preparation for death is important. But in the Protestant kind of um, theology, it's like, they think it's morbid to prepare for death. But no, it's actually not. I mean, because if, if you really be- believe in the resurrection, right, and you believe in, in the resurrection power of Christ and that you are a new creature in Christ, death has lost its, its thing. So preparation for death is not that morbid, you know. It's not that grey. It's not that sad. It's actually a happy thing. 
because that death is what actually prevents you it's actually that in between between you and Christ that union so that's something you must cross that threshold right and so you must prepare for death because once you cross it that's union with Christ forever I mean yeah if we are good Catholics mm. so yeah I think my friend's suicide definitely uh, was it opened a hole in me that that kind of didn't close until I became Catholic because I spent nights right thinking oh I'm sleeping in a nice cushy bed with the icon on but my friend wasn't Catholic or Christian I think he belonged to a Chinese religion you know so I know he's not baptized so I'm thinking what would happen to his soul I mean he seemed like a much charitable person a happier person I mean a nicer person than me I was like a selfish uncharitable person you know and then I'm like, suicide happened to him. I mean, it's like, I'm like, he didn't deserve it. If anything, it should have been me because um, I felt like he was a better person than me. But also that event really put things into perspective for me. To focus on the eternal, to focus on things that were important. And uh, grades are not everything. I mean, because so what if you get a good job? I mean, you might suffer a burnout. Then what? Then what? You always ask yourself, then what? Eventually, then you die. And then what? Are you looking forward to union with Christ after that? Or are you scared of Judgment Day? I mean, these, these were things that, that went through my mind, you know. It's like, and I knew definitely I was not prepared. Um, and I wanted to do something for my friend. But because in the Protestant theology, you know, it's like, they don't believe in prayers for the dead. They don't be that your prayers can actually cross. is powerful enough to help souls in a, in a next life. I mean, in the next world, in purgatory, you know, they don't believe in that. They don't believe in a purgatory. So, there was this gaping hole in my heart, like, I couldn't find closure until I became Catholic and I realised we could pray for the dead. I could be a better friend now than I was before when I was a Protestant. And then another Catholic moment, I think when I was after my A-levels, was I felt there was this loss of, loss of direction. You know, because what are you going to do after that? Like, you have to choose your next path, right? At that point in time, I was baptised when I was an infant, around one year plus. The first sacrament that I received was baptism, and that was when I was an infant. And so, from that point until 18 years old, right, I had no sacraments. And so, my soul was really, like, almost dried up. And I felt like like a dead man walking, a dead person walking after my A-levels. It was just... It was almost like, okay, you finished this big hurdle already. And then I felt like I have nothing more to give. I was just alone in, my, in, in, in the home. I was living on a 10th floor at that time. So I actually walked out to the balcony and I just looked down. It's like, whoa, that's scary. Cannot jump, cannot jump. That's scary. I knew that jumping also was not... It, it, like you, Even though I was like, I felt like dying on the inside, right? Like just dead, like cannot live. I couldn't continue living, right? But at the same time, I knew like, oh, suicide is also wrong. I, I cannot jump, so like, it was like, oh, no. So I walked back in. I was like, praying, I was like, God, if you don't save me now, right, and, and take this, this feeling away of, away from me, right, I, I, I cannot continue. I knew that I was dying. And so I was thinking, I was like, for half an hour, that was just like my prayer. And it was like a cry of the heart. I suddenly thought about the Jews in the Old Testament. I said, they had a temple. I say, but what do I have? I'm like, at least in a temple, your presence is there. But when we go to an evangelical Protestant church, it's just a concert. There's, there's no tabernacle, there's no, 
there's nothing. It's just a a little a physical place. There is no like sacred presence. You know, but in a Catholic church there is. So suddenly I thought about the Jews that no, they are more fortunate than I. I said because at least they have a temple. You know, at least they could they could go there to pray. There's this image that form in my head, the of an altar. It's like kind of a mahogany or dark brown kind of altar, right? There was this tabernacle where God was physically present. This image just came to my mind. Then I just like opened the balcony. I just prostrated. That was to me a virtual kind of homage to God. I imagine God was physically present in that tabernacle there. And when I got up, right, that feeling of death, right, of not being able to continue, right, living, right, just left me in an instant, just like, like that, like, just like, eh, this, this desperation, this deep, kind of sad feeling just left me. I was like, wow, but I told no one about it, because I was afraid that if my parents knew, right, they would think I'm, it was like idolatry, you know. But literally, this altar and this tabernacle, this image, and paying homage in my heart, it saved me. And then after that, I could carry on my day as usual, as if nothing happened. Of course, only when I entered the Catholic Church and I saw the tabernacle and I saw the altar and it made sense. The true presence of Christ is there. Because we are soul and body, right? We are a body, we are a soul. We, we need the sacraments. Our senses need to be filled. Being human is, is both body and soul. You are not spirit like you know like the angels you know you you need to do homage to god you need to genuflect when you enter church um justice towards um god is the virtue of religion and you and we need that because we are creatures mm-hmm. it's just who we are and god is our creator mm-hmm. and we must we owe god that homage and so there will always be this void in your heart and you'll never go away it's so solely because you are human and just like in the Catholic Church, there's all these sacraments to really help us. It's like channels of graces to come in. So the Eucharist, like we can have daily communion. We have a chance for yeah. that to receive God in our hearts. And, and daily communion really came 100 years ago when, when Pope Pius X permitted it. But before that, Catholics couldn't. Mm. Yeah, so it's just actually a quite recent thing. So yeah. we should be looking forward to more saints. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and also like the sacrament of reconciliation, something physical. Confession. Yeah. Yes. Because yes. the Protestants, you do it in your heart. And, and how, how and, is that different for you? Like confessing in your heart versus you, the Catholic you know, perspective. Confession is such a beautiful sacrament. When you go for confession, the, the, you are exercising the virtue of humility. You are exercising the virtue of charity by exercising the virtue of justice you know because you are confessing you are admitting to your fault you're humble enough to confess to God's representative through the priest because he is in persona Christi right and objectively right God wants to give you that assurance that I have absolved you from your sins so why would you want to maybe say an act of contrition at home and then not sure and then have doubt in your in your mind whether you are still your God really forgave you or not. Anyway, for confession, right? Imperfect contrition suffices. But if you don't have confession, 
and you've committed a big sin or a grave sin, you actually need perfect contrition. Perfect contrition is a grace in itself. And how sure are we that we will attain for attain to perfect contrition? I mean, perfect contrition requires such great humility. And if we don't even have that humility to go for confession, right? Then do you think that you are grace with that big grace of perfect contrition? It was like the sacraments of the Catholic Church. Was it like a stumbling block for you as a Protestant coming in? Because like um, so many no, new things. But my... And I had, I had to confess a lot because, you see, I had baptism when I was an infant. And then I only had confirmation when I was like almost 27, 26, 27. So basically, I, went to con- I had to confess like 20 plus years of sins. It can be for a person coming in, right? Let's say if you are 50 years old, right? And you had infant baptism and you are now coming into the church and you are in your midlife, right? Then obviously, it would definitely feel like a huge blow. Because you are confessing 50 years worth of sins, you know. Mm. So, the earlier the better. Don't wait till you are 50 <laughs> and come into the Catholic Church. Protestants should come in as early as possible. Thank you for tuning in to the first part of this episode with Crystal. I hope that you will come back for the second part of the episode where Crystal will share more about her conversion story, including how Mary helped her in her Christian life. As um, practice for this podcast series, we will end every episode with a prayer. For this episode, we will pray the glory be. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Thank you, and stay tuned for more.